This time we'll now read in the Bible from Mark chapter 4. Begin the scripture reading at verse 1 of Mark 4, and then read through verse 23 of Mark chapter 4. The text for the sermon will be verses 21 through 23 of Mark chapter 4. Begin the scripture reading at verse 1, where we read this word of God. And he began to again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But... When the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without or outside, all things, all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they, by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, 
such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And now the words of our text, verses 21 through 23. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Thus far we read in the word of God. May God bless us in the reading of scripture. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the historical occasion for this parable, perhaps a parable we didn't realize was a parable, This parable in verses 21 and 23 has the same occasion for the parable of the sower. Jesus was in a boat, pushed off from the shore a little ways, preaching to the multitude on the shore, teaching them, as we read at the beginning of the chapter, by parables. He taught them from the boat the parable of the sower. Then when the multitude was dismissed and Jesus was alone with his disciples and that meant the apostles, the twelve apostles and the other disciples who did follow Jesus and the apostles through most of his ministry, they asked him, what does this mean? Jesus explained in response to their question, this is the purpose of parables. There's a positive purpose for you so that you may know the mystery of the kingdom, but those parables also have a negative purpose in not revealing, not having those who do not belong to my sheep to understand, to perceive, and to be saved, but serve my purpose in bringing them to condemnation and leaving them without excuse in the judgment. And then Jesus explained the parable of the sower, And afterwards, after his explanation and exposition of the parable of the sower, then proceeds to speak a few more parables, including this particular parable of the candlestick or the candle lamp. Not only is the historical occasion the same as the parable of the sower, but we also notice that the content of this parable, verses 21 through 23, And also the next one about the parable of the measure of the measuring measure is very close to the content of the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower, as we read, taught the truth of what happens when the word of God goes forth in the earth. When Christ sends forth his word and casts the seed of his word What will be the response? Jesus teaches through history when that word of the kingdom is made known, there will be these responses to the word. The response of unbelief and the response of faith. On the one hand, there will be a rejection of the word. There will be unbelief towards the word. 
by those who, hearing the word, reject that word outright. Or some receiving it and rejoicing that they have it, when persecution comes, they are offended that discipleship to Christ would cost that much, losing a job, suffering reproach, being persecuted for righteousness' sake. They want nothing to do with that kind of Christ. And the word in them also becomes unfruitful. And then there's this third group who, receiving the word also with gladness at first, then as time goes on, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, they allow to creep into their life and to dominate their mind, and soon the word becomes unfruitful. It is choked. But, by an amazing grace and the wonder of God's Spirit, there is this other soil. Not stony, not hard, not full of weeds, but soft, deep, and clean, representing those who by the Holy Spirit have been regenerated, whose hearts have been plowed and prepared by the Spirit to receive the word, and by the grace of God, they bring forth fruit in various measures with constancy and steadfastness, as the canons teach as an exposition of that parable in chapter or head number five. Then following that exposition, the Lord speaks the parable of the candle lamp. And by doing so, he is not introducing an entirely new subject taking the same subject and looking at it from a different perspective. It's still related to the parable of the sower. And thus, we understand that the parable of the candle lamp teaches us something about the identity, the great power, and the resulting obligation that we have as God's people for our spiritual growth and preservation concerning that word of God, which is set forth in the parable in the figure of a candle lamp. Call your attention to the truth of this parable, the parable of the candle lamp. You'll notice its significant identity. Secondly, its great power. And thirdly, its resulting obligation. Jesus, at the beginning of the parable, asks two questions. Very easy to understand, even as children. Listen to what Jesus says. Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel basket? Or brought to be put under a bed? And not to be set on a candlestick? When we consider those questions of Jesus, we wonder, well, what is this candle to which he refers? The candle in those days, in the households of the Jews and those among whom Jesus taught, was not like the candle that you might put on your birthday cake or the candle you might have among your decorations at the end of the year. Those candles are made out of paraffin wax, have various colors and so on. 
not the candle of the text. The candle of the text is a lamp, an olive oil lamp, made out of usually clay, in the shape of a bowl with a handle on it, narrowing to a tip on the opposite side of the handle, being large enough to have a reservoir in which the olive oil could be poured, and then a wick could be put through the tip of that lamp with a very narrow opening and slid down into the reservoir of oil beneath. Being filled with oil, then, those lamps would experience the phenomenon that the oil travels up the wick by capillary action, and they could put a flame to the wick, and there would be a flame on that candle lamp. And according to Jesus' questions, that raises this question, well, what is the function of the candle lamp? Is that candle lamp to be taken by the owners of that house and lit, and there's the flame, and then take that and put it under a bucket, a bushel basket? And so there it is, under the bushel basket. Or is it to be taken and put under a bench or under a bed. We as children would say, well, of course not. That's not why my parents, if we were living in those days, have that olive oil lamp in the house. They don't stick it under a basket. What's the point of that? When you have an electricity outage in your house, you don't take the flashlight, turn it on, and stick it in the drawer. It's not going to help. So also in the days of Jesus function of the candle lamp was not to be put away for it was of no use or little use or perhaps even a fire hazard. Its function was according to Jesus' second question, a rhetorical question, is a candle not to be brought, to be set on a candlestick? To be put somewhere prominent? To give light? To the dark interior of the house? Yes. A chief example of that in the Old Testament was in the tabernacle or the temple in Jerusalem. The lampstand in that dark interior of the tabernacle or the temple was set. Oil oil lamps were lit to provide light in the interior of the tabernacle. Not to be hidden under the table of showbread or covered with a basket, but to bring light the priests when they ministered in the holy place in the tabernacle or temple. Now what does that point to spiritually? First of all, beloved, that candle lamp is a parable concerning the word of God. According to all of scripture, it sets forth chiefly, first of all, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. He is in himself infinite glory. He is omniscient in that glory. The fullness of his holiness and righteousness and goodness. God is light. And the word is the revelation of that light. That God is light. So that in the fullness of time when God sent forth his word, 
he sent forth that word as the light of his glory. And we look through the scriptures, we also learned in that Christ is the candle lamp as the word which reveals the light of the glory of God. For he is the Son of God in the flesh. And is that candle lamp, as it were, of clay, sent forth to reveal the glory of God unto his church. He reveals that in the creation. He reveals that in the word of the gospel. He is the light of the world, as John chapter 1 teaches whom God has set on the lampstand of his human nature and who shines forth with all of the truth and the glory of the triune God for the salvation of the world of God's redemption and for the destruction of his enemies. And so the questions that Jesus asks about the function of this candle lamp point us to the lampstands from which that light of Jesus Christ is prominently displayed today. What are those lampstands where we see the light of the glory of God? Well, chiefly in the Holy Scriptures. They're in full display in the infallibly inspired Word of God, which God has preserved for us still today, God puts on display, he is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now it's true, there is some revelation of God in creation. God does show among mankind that he is God, and there is only one God. That's him, and him alone, and he is holy. And men must be consecrated to him who is holy, and he is righteous. He will judge the sinner and punish the sinner in his eternal everlasting wrath. And he is coming quickly in the last day. However, in the infallibly inspired scriptures, we know that God has breathed forth the full revelation of the shining of his light in the face of Jesus Christ, indelibly printed on set forth in all of Scripture. Everywhere we look in Scripture, there the light of God through Jesus Christ is shining at us. Even in such strange places to us as the genealogy in Chronicles, there the light of God shines forth. The light of his essence, his nature, his person. His names, all of his works, and the manner of his working, according to the counsel of his will and his wisdom. All of his promises in which his faithfulness and his goodness shine forth in Jesus Christ. And the fulfillment and principle of those promises in Jesus Christ, our mediator. The wonders of his hands which set forth the gospel of salvation and the wonder of that salvation in Jesus Christ alone by his spirit. It's all there in full color in the Holy Scriptures. Here, in 
the scriptures, we see the light. But then God has also, in the second place, put that candle lamp of his word on a prominent display in the preaching of the gospel. Yes. For it is not God's purpose that that candle lamp and what it reveals be hidden, out of view, put under a bushel basket or under a bench or a bed, not to be seen and to be hidden from view. That's not God's purpose. God has declared in 1 Timothy 3 verse 15 that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. It is her duty to make known, put on display as it were on the roof for all to see the glory of his work of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. That duty the church may not neglect. It's not God's purpose that that light be hidden. The church may not, for example, in persecution think, well, now's a time where we need to put that lamp under the bed or under the bushel basket because if we don't, we will be persecuted. Our church may be taken from us. Our building may be taken from us. It may be burned down because evildoers wish to destroy the cause of the gospel and extinguish that light. So, out of fear, let's hide the light. No. God has ordained that the function of the candle lamp is to be put on display on the candlestick on the lamp stand of the preaching of the gospel. God, according to Isaiah 48, verse 16, has from the beginning spoken openly. He did to Adam and Eve personally in the Garden of Eden, through the Old Testament and the prophets. Then in the Lord Jesus Christ himself, in his preaching and miracles, did not hide the light of his glory, but put it on display. So that in the day when Jesus died on the cross, the world stood still for three hours as darkness covered the earth. As God unfolded his counsel and sacrificed his only begotten son for his people, for our redemption from our sin. He did not do it in a corner, as the apostle said to King Agrippa and before Festus. That was even Jesus' testimony before the high priest. When the accusers came and witnessed before the Sanhedrin all the false witness of those men, then the high priest asked him, are these things so? Jesus responded, what? The high priest knew Jesus didn't do anything in secret. He preached openly. He did the miracles openly. He had nothing to hide. In fact, it's God's purpose for the light to shine. Still today, though Christ is at God's right hand, Christ, our chief prophet and teacher, of which the book of Mark is, the, is emphasizing, our chief prophet and teacher has that word, the lamp, put on the lampstand of the preaching so that the light of Jehovah in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Scriptures, might be made known in all the nations of the earth. Wherever he is pleased to send that gospel and in the time in which he is pleased to fulfill that work. 
He makes known unto the ends of the earth the name of Jehovah. He makes known the whole counsel of God concerning God's glory, which he has purposed to reveal in the redemption of his elect in Christ alone, and thus the destruction of those whom he has not chosen in Christ. Then thirdly, another lampstand, which we must not forget nor neglect, a lampstand which serves the lampstand of the preaching of the gospel is the daily witness of you and me as Christians, which means we are prophets. Again, God did not intend the light which God works in us be hidden, put under a bushel basket, hidden under a bed, rather to shine through us by the working of his spirit, out of a true and living faith in Jesus Christ. It's God's purpose having created us in Christ Jesus as the children of the light, which is the light of the true knowledge of God. That that word of that true knowledge of God be made known by us as prophets who being anointed with the Spirit confess the name of Christ, confess the knowledge of God in Christ, confess the truth of the Holy Scriptures according to the Reformed faith. Now that doesn't mean we're preachers, we're all missionaries, or something like that. We can never claim that our daily witness as mothers to our children in the home, or fathers to our sons and daughters out in the yard, or on vacation, or whatever it may be, that that witness, well, that's on a par with the preaching of the gospel. No. What we say to our neighbor over the fence no, not on a par with the preaching of the gospel. But yet, an important function and duty that we have in life to shine forth, to have that light put on the lampstand of our daily witness by our word and by our example to those around us. In the world of unbelieving men, but also to our fellow saints for their encouragement edification. The Lord is pleased to set upon the lampstand of your soul the light of the candle lamp so that you might also communicate that light in all of your work, all of your life, day by day. That light on the lampstand, chiefly of the gospel, is powerful. When the Lord teaches this truth of the parable of the candle lamp, we must understand that the application is not the same as Matthew 5, verse 14. Sometime later in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus also preached this according to Matthew 5, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And then the Lord said something similar to what we have in our text. Neither do men light a candle candle lamp, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. 
The Lord in that Sermon on the Kingdom of Heaven teaches that as the children of the light, it is our duty as citizens in the kingdom of heaven, by faith, according to the commandments of God, to live in all righteousness and obedience to his commandments, to have that light shine forth in all areas of our life. Purpose is that others may see us and glorify our Father in heaven. Matthew 5, verse 14, the Lord teaches it's your subjective duty, the duty of the believer to let your light shine by faith, according to God's commandments. Our text, however, doesn't have that application. Our text focuses on not the duty we have as the children of the light, but on the light itself. It focuses on the objective truth of that light. What is its power? What is its function? The obligation or the duty that we have towards that light comes in verse 23, which we'll speak of later in the sermon. The Lord teaches here in this parable to focus on that candle lamp and its light. Notice its power. Notice what it is able to do. Verse 22, he teaches, very simply, there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. That's the purpose of that candle lamp. That's its function and power. It can be illustrated by an example. Think of the man in the days of Jesus standing in his house, enters the house at night, Enters the door, hasn't been in the house all day, he doesn't know what's on the floor, where the chair might be, where the table leg might be, where maybe the dog is sleeping. And if he were to cross the floor, could stub his toe, he could trip, he could fall, he could break his arm, break a leg, be perilous, because in the darkness, he does not know the layout of what's in the house. But as soon as he lights the candle lamp and the light fills the interior of the house, now he knows where the chair is, where the table is, where the dog is sleeping so he doesn't trip over the dog and he can go to the room he intends to go to without risk to his health. That's the example which helps us to understand what the Lord is teaching when there is no light shining, if we turn all the lights off in the sanctuary, we don't know where is everyone, where is so-and-so. We don't know. We lack knowledge. We're ignorant. But as soon as the light shines, that which we didn't understand, that which we didn't know by ignorance, now is made plain. Oh, there is so-and-so. There's my friend. There is so-and-so in the church. By the light, you see, that man perceives, man is made aware, man sees the true knowledge of the situation. When the light of God shines then on the lampstand of the preaching of the gospel, that light rolls back the darkness. It brings out into the open 
that which previously was hidden, perhaps hidden by ignorance, or maybe by rejection, according to the parable of the sower, or perhaps by vain coverings. The light exposes the reality, the truth, the true knowledge of what we must know. That's the power, beloved, of the candle lamp of the word of Jesus Christ. That word, not the minister himself, but the word which is sent by Christ to speak in his name, that word has the power to expose that which is hidden from our consciousness and to bring out to our attention the truth of the situation, the reality of God, us, the promise of the gospel, and all the truth of scripture. This penetrating power that Jesus speaks of very briefly in the, in the parable of the candle lamp is mentioned already in the Old Testament. First of all, in, or for example, in Psalm 90, verse, verse 8. In Psalm 90, verse 8, we read the following. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. That's the power of God's word to take that which is secret, even our sin, and to put that before our attention. The power of that word is also mentioned in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. That word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts, even the thoughts and intents of our heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's illustrated in a few examples in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Garden of Eden already, after Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, the candle lamp was put on the lampstand, as it were. God came to Adam and Eve in the Garden. And God spoke to them, and his word exposed their sin. Though they had attempted their vain coverings, Though they had attempted their excuses, she made me do it. The snake made me do it. God came with his light. What have you done? And God exposed their sin in the truth of their rebellion against God's commandment. And God also set forth the promise of the gospel in Genesis 3 verse 15 and pointed them to that only hope that they had for the escape from their terrible sin and the guilt of their sin. The same thing happens later in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 17, in the story where David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had arranged the murder of Uriah, made it look like that he was legitimately married to Bathsheba. Everything was fine. Oh, yes. Until Nathan came and the candle lamp walked into the 
palace and stood before David and said through the parable of the man, the poor man with his sheep and the rich man who stole the poor man's sheep, thou art the man. And exposed immediately before his consciousness the reality of his sin. Removed the vain coverings of his lying and hypocrisy and exposed the reality, David, you have sinned. Not only that, pointed him to the hope of the gospel in Christ. That's the power of that word of God, the candle lamp. It also happens to Judas Iscariot, one who was not one of Christ's sheep, though an apostle, whom Jesus identifies even as the son of perdition. And the night in which Jesus would be betrayed, they're sitting around the table having had the last Passover, and Jesus said, whomever I give this sop, this bread dipped in the sauce, that's the one who will betray me, in answer to John's question. And that word, that light of Christ, exposed Judas the reality, he is the traitor, he is the son of perdition, and he went out and did his evil business of arranging the capture of Jesus. The candle lamp, beloved of the word of God, has that inescapable power to reveal what is hidden concerning the truth of God, the truth of who we are, our sinfulness, our nothingness, and to set before us Christ, our righteousness and our life and our only hope. That's its power. And the Lord teaches this parable and makes that point in this parable so that having learned the parable of the sower, we are not left with the impression that, oh, the word of God is like a dead seed which you cast into the ground and then you wait a little while and then finally about a week later or so it sprouts up and it begins to grow. But until it sprouts, it just kind of sits there on the ground. And that's really what the word of God does. It's cast onto your heart and then it's up to you to wait and do something. And when you do something with that word, then finally it becomes active. No. The Lord makes sure in this parable... After teaching the parable of the sower, we understand that the word of God isn't exactly like a dead seed. It is a living power of the light of the glory of God, which shines upon us and brings to manifestation that which is perhaps hidden from our eyes, but now is made known and clear before our eyes and our mind. That light is a power to search even right into your thoughts, into your hearts, and to bring out into the open which you did not know. Bring out into the open the burdens which you might have secretly, and then bring out before you the truth of God or the truth of the word of God which applies to that specific burden in your life. So that you might say from time to time, or maybe have experienced this, that after a week, or several months of struggling with something, then there's a sermon. The light shines, and it hits exactly that need that you have. And you wonder to yourself, 
Did the minister hear our conversation this week? Was he looking through the window into our house and he knew what, what's going on and that's why he picked this text and said that? No. Not at all. The Lord knows you. The Lord knows your life. And he shines with his light to meet that need which he knows that you have to bring out into the open the need to repent. To bring out into the open the need for encouragement whatever it may be. And in that function he sets before you the truth concerning Jehovah, concerning himself, concerning you and me, and all that we know, need to know as God's children, as faithful hearers of the word. And that will produce, as Jesus taught in the parable of the sower, lasting effects. As it did with the three kinds of soil of unbelief, it exposed with the hard soil hearer his immediate refusal to bow to that word. But even with the other two kinds of soil, the searchlight of the word of God eventually exposed their unbelief and that they didn't belong to Christ and left the church institute. But there are those kinds of good hearers pictured by the good soil that are brought to the light and in whom the Lord works that light unto their faith and daily conversion. And that word will continue to work, so that ultimately, as Jesus said, that which is secret, it should come abroad, it should be open. There's a day coming when Christ shall return, and we stand before him in the final judgment, and the books will be opened. Everything will be brought to light. Fear that, beloved. Fear not, beloved. Believe that word which not only exposes who we are, nothing, sinners, but also exposes before us the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the hope of the gospel in him alone. That he is our righteousness before God and our life with God in his covenant that covenant of grace. And that he by his spirit not only lives there, but also lives in our heart as the light. The light of the world. The light of God's, the world of God's redemption. Let us not, beloved, be afraid of that candle lamp which God puts on the lampstand before us so that in his house there is light. The light of his truth his true knowledge. Let us rejoice in that blessed light and do as Jesus said, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. That's our obligation. Do not dismiss that word, beloved. Do not say when the word exposes our sin or shows to us the pathway we must go and say, no, that doesn't apply to me. No, that's too costly for me. No, I'm not going to do that. Embrace that word, beloved. You must 
And that means even those in the church world who may be hypocrites, though they may appear, according to the parable of the sower, believers, that light will expose them. There is no success in rejecting the light of the candle lamp that God puts on the lampstand in his house. We must respond to that life, that light, in true faith, in daily repentance, bowing before the truth that God is God and all the truth in him and that which is true concerning man. Man is not God. Man is dust. He is nothing. He is but a servant to God. And all the truth that there is in Jesus Christ as our only hope and salvation. Raises the question then, beloved, how shall we hear? How shall we embrace that light? It exposes our secret sins. It shows that we're nothing. And that's an important question because by nature we're darkness. We don't want the light. We like to cling to our sin and our weaknesses. We like to make some shade a little bit from the light in which to dwell before the light of the candle lamp and indulge in some of that sin. We're like the hard-packed soil. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm doing what I think is right, what I think is wise. Or like the thin soil. Oh, sure, we'll be a faithful church member, but when reproach and persecution comes, being mocked for the sake of Christ, mocked for being a faithful child of God, no, that's too much. I don't need that kind of life. I don't need the life of the church. That's too strict for me. I don't need organized religion. No. Or we're like the weedy soil. Allow the pleasures of this world to fill our ears and to watch those things and Soon the word which has been given to us on Sunday by middle of the week, that word is choked. It's unfruitful. It's humbling, isn't it, beloved? We deserve the light of this candle lamp in the preaching of the gospel to shine upon us. Not for our salvation, we deserve to have it shine upon us to consume us because of that unbelief. How shall we hear? How shall we see and rejoice in the light of that candle lamp of the word of Jesus Christ? And the only answer is we need Christ himself and his Holy Spirit in order to heed what Jesus says, to understand the parable to listen to him. We need Christ, the light and the lamp. We need him who reveals the truth of Jehovah to come to us. We will not come to him of ourselves. He must come to us. The Christ who fulfilled all of the truth of, God's, of God concerning our redemption. And did that especially, beloved, 
when he who is the light was condemned as the darkness in our place. And on the cross, he died in that horrible darkness where he was forsaken by God. For us, who are by nature darkness, that, beloved, is your redemption. That death of Jesus Christ, the light, is your redemption from the darkness within. Because he has gained the life of light in his resurrection, that is what by his spirit he works in you and me, that light of his life. We need him to come to us in the candle lamp and declare to us a word which is more amazing, more powerful than what he said in the beginning on the first day. Children, what did, Jesus, what did God say on the first day? Let there be light. And that is astounding. That as God said that, there was light. Astounding. More astounding and more necessary is for Christ to come to us has made us his light by the Spirit to speak to us with that efficacious light to call us out of our darkness of unbelief into his marvelous light of the truth. We need him to open our ears so that we may hear and open our eyes so that we may see things never seen before until he has revealed it to us and to rejoice in the light of his face. Pray for that, beloved. God give to you that eyesight as the children of light to rejoice in his light before the candle lamp of his word. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear the parable of the candle lamp. Amen. Most merciful and gracious Father in heaven, grant to us thy grace and spirit so that thy word may shine upon us as that lamp and that light to show unto us the true knowledge of thee, to redeem us from the ignorance and the foolishness to which we are prone and the deceitfulness of the wisdom of man we may be filled with the knowledge and the wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that as true prophets, anointed with his Spirit, we may go forth in thy service in this week also to speak the truth in love for the edification of our fellow saints and for the daily witness of thy glorious name. Keep us, Heavenly Father, in thy gracious care, faithful to thee, faithful the candle lamp of Jesus Christ, our light. In his name we pray, amen.